0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast presents Who Killed? A podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless.
1: We're very close to Perrysburg Heights. That is uh, where Jose Rodriguez lived, Uh, just uh, really just across the field, not very far at all. Federal uh, searchers from the DEA, the FBI, also Toledo Police, Perrysburg, a lot of different agencies involved in this search, which is in this field behind me. There's still some activity. Night is starting to fall, so it is assumed and we're told they'll probably knock off for the evening, but get started again early tomorrow morning as they continue looking for the remains of Cynthia Anderson at this location. Jerry? lou do we know if they have found anything whatsoever in their search so far what we have been told is that they did have some evidence that was found near this pond that is out here a small lake now they have stopped diving in the lake itself and have seemed to be concentrating their search efforts from what we can see with a bulldozer in a, in a wooded area near the pond exactly what they found we don't know all right Lou a. bear with a live report from Paris, Lou.
0: On this week's show, I want to take you back to August 4th, 1981, when a young secretary named Cynthia Cindy Anderson disappeared from Toledo, Ohio. Now, with a population of about 350,000 at the time, Toledo sits next to the Maumee River, which disperses into Lake Erie. In the 1980s, it was kind of a little bit of a shady area. And Miss Anderson was last seen on Manhattan Boulevard near the law office where she actually worked. And Cynthia was only 20 years old when she vanished. And one of the worst things to happen to a family is obviously to lose a child. But it makes it all the more worse when they're never able to find a body or really any idea of what really happened. I mean, the family is left to live on in perpetuity, not knowing where or what happened to their loved one. Unfortunately for the family of Cynthia Anderson, they have been left to wonder what happened to Cindy on that hot August day. Now, according to the Toledo Blade, Cindy Anderson was usually the first one to show up to the office, but on this day when her coworkers arrived, she was actually nowhere to be found. And when attorney James Rabbit went to work that morning, he actually found the office empty. Now, Miss Anderson's car was parked outside, but her purse and her keys were gone. She didn't leave a note on the door, which was her usual practice, and the book she was reading, a romance novel, now this is peculiar because it was left open to a, I guess you could say, a violent abduction of the main character. Now, of course, this is according to reports, but according to one of the bosses, Mr. Rabbit, he had told the Blade and 2001 right away you knew something was wrong and you knew she wasn't coming back that's pretty ominous in my opinion now cops that were on patrol at the time were given photos and they were kept in their cruisers basically the whole time and the blade says quote miss anderson disappeared during a particularly violent time in the city Well, let's be honest, it was really a bad year across the country. Uh, Americans were dealing with large-scale unemployment, and major cities around the U.S. set homicide records in the year 1981. So we can assume police were pretty busy investigating a number of other homicides. And in fact, there were actually a couple brothers that were serial killers who were committing crimes in Toledo, and were convicted of at least nine rapes and murders between the years 1973 and 1981. And now, according to reports, their guilt was established in the late 1990s, thanks to DNA profiling, after which both of the brothers were convicted and eventually sentenced to prison. Although Nathaniel Cook, now this is great, was released on parole back in 2019. They go on to say the case didn't go unnoticed, but according to a Blade article from June 1982, less than a year after her disappearance, they had a case file with information that was so thick it takes two hands to pick up. And now, Miss Anderson, she drove a 1980 Chevrolet citation, and the Blade states on that day she went missing. She wore a white v-neck dress with red piping, open-toe sandals, a sapphire ring, a gold watch, and carried a brown purse. Now, she only had 10 days left at the office before she was about to start college classes, and people reported to police that they saw Miss Anderson as late as 9:45 a.m., but people calling the law office told attorneys they tried calling without response about 10 a.m., Now, one of the scariest aspects of this case is Cynthia was apparently having dreams. Well, I wouldn't call them dreams. I would say they're most likely nightmares, considering they were about being attacked or abducted. And this is one of the many aspects of this case that made it appeal to every true crime fan's favorite show growing up, Unsolved Mysteries. Now, in the episode, they discuss the mysterious dreams and question whether they had anything to do with her disappearance. Now, during the episode, they speak with Cynthia's sister, Christine, about the dreams, and I'm going to quote directly from the episode now. Quote, One morning, while I was getting ready for work, I overheard Cindy talking to my mother. I do believe that the dreams could have been a premonition of fears that Cindy actually had in her subconscious at the time. Now, during the episode, they also talk about how Miss Anderson's family was considered to be Christian fundamentalists and had a strict childhood. Apparently, she also spent most of her time within the confines of her fellow Christian friends. Fortunately, uh, the police did not wait long before they began treating this as a disappearance, and not so much as someone who just walked away from their life although Cindy's car keys and purse were missing. That wasn't enough for them to say that she left on her own. Now, Toledo Police Detective William Adams actually said there were no signs of a struggle. Quote, Her car was parked in front of the law office. Her bank account, which had a nice substantial amount of money, was never touched. Her social security number has never shown up any other workplace. It's a complete mystery. How and why Cindy disappeared. Now, Mr. Rabbit told The Blade in 2000, again, you knew this was bad, and you knew something was wrong right away. And Jay Feldstein, a Toledo labor lawyer, was actually an associate at the firm when Miss Anderson went missing. And on that day that she was discovered disappeared, Mr. Feldstein had spent the morning in court with Mr. Anderson and one of his sons. So the search for Cindy Anderson entailed basically the usual public plea for help, uh, volunteer search parties, and you know they detailed all of the things that Cindy was known for. And as you read about this case, you come across a few different theories. Apparently, just one month after her disappearance, police apparently got an anonymous call claiming that Cynthia was being held against her will. Now, the caller was female and stated that there were two white houses side by side owned by the same family. Now, the family was out of town, but their son was home and he had imprisoned the missing girl in the basement. Now, as... Most things that sound too good to be true, this was. And, of course, it was a bogus lead. So, on one of the message boards, there was another theory about Cynthia and her disappearance. And the one that I've seen the most often, other than the dreams, was about the book being open to that scene about an abduction. And this has led people to suggest that Cynthia may have staged her own disappearance. Though she did leave a substantial amount of money untouched in her bank account. So that leaves a little bit of a question to be answered there. And if the harassing calls that she received were real, there may have been someone that she was eager to run away from. And since the office door was locked and there was no sign of a struggle, people speculated that she had boarded a bus and started a new life. And I know that sounds fantastical, but I mean, in the 70s and early 80s, it was a lot easier to do than it is today. Now, her employers discovered that the radios were turned on at their desks and they were prepared for the day when they did arrive at work. But there was unclaimed mail that had been placed inside the front door. And again, there was no sign of her anywhere in the building. Now, some of the things people find to be of interest is her father's quote in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries I mentioned earlier, where he describes Cindy as being, quote-unquote, obedient. In another statement, he said his daughter had been acting a bit like a debutante. A little bit of an interesting way to describe his daughter now, once again quoting from Unsolved Mysteries, Cindy's dad said that he noticed a change in his daughter's behavior. "Quote, just before she disappeared, however, she was becoming like a debutante. She was spending a lot of time on her face and herself, and she'd skipped breakfast for this reason, and that may be part of the problem." Unquote. Now, in another part of the Unsolved Mysteries episode, Larry Mullins, who was a client of the law office where Cindy worked, told the show, "Quote, the day before Cynthia Anderson disappeared, I was actually in the office to pay off a legal fee. And she got a phone call, and she kind of reacted like maybe it was obscene or something and hung up real quick. And a look on her face, still, I can picture it today. She was scared. She was honestly and sincerely scared. It gives me shivers to think of the look on her face. I went home and I called the police department and asked them to do a drive-by and check on her. Something scared the hell out of her, in my opinion, unquote. Now, Mark H- Hoover, who is a journalist for the Claremont Sun and a variety of others, wrote, quote, authorities also monitored her banking information. Cynthia appeared to be a thrifty young lady who had never, who had saved, actually, all her money, and she never accessed her money or used her social security number after disappearing. Also, a week after Cynthia disappeared, Toledo police, again, like I mentioned before, they received that anonymous call about, you know, someone claiming that Cynthia had been abducted and she was being kept in the basement. Uh, again, this was a bogus lead. Now, one theory that stands out amongst all the others is... One that involves an attorney named Richard Neller, who actually worked in the law office. Now, Neller and a client named Jose Rodriguez Jr. were both charged with drug-related crimes and sent to prison. Now, the American Bar Association also disbarred Neller. Now, Hoover goes on to ask, did Adams know something about Neller's illegal drug activity? If so, did it lead to her disappearance? He goes on to state this theory is the most popular among true crime aficionados. Now, here's the most likely reason it has taken hold. Nine local people were indicted on drug trafficking charges, one including Richard Neller, and again, he was an attorney that worked with Cindy. Now, he later went on to prison along with drug dealer Jose Rodriguez, And again, this fueled the speculation that Cynthia may have overheard incriminating information and an informant claimed that Rodriguez actually confessed to the murder, but again, this testimony was ruled unreliable. And unfortunately, no other evidence connects them. Unfortunately, Mr. Anderson died in January 2008, and he never knew what happened to his daughter, But he never gave up hope, and he was actually still living at the home Miss Anderson grew up in, in Toledo, on 3030 Springbrook Drive. And he actually told the Toledo Blade that he never changed his phone number, because what if she was trying to get back home? If he left, she would never find her family. So here we are, 40 years on, and there isn't any sign of Cynthia Anderson. So let's check the facts before we move on to part two of this episode. There's no body, no suspects, no motive, no foul play, no crime scene to work from. Again, this was a young woman who was just about to enter Bible college and had a loving boyfriend. So her disappearance leaves a lot of questions left unanswered. So I'm going to bring in Naptime Nancy Drew, host of the Naptime Nancy podcast, and freelance journalist. She knows a bit about this case and wrote an article about it for the Philosophy of Crime website, and that's at philosophycrime.com, which it also just so happens to be Friend of Show's, James Renner's website. If you have any information about Cynthia Anderson's disappearance, please contact the Toledo Police Department at 419-245-3340. Now let's jump into my conversation with Naptime Nancy about the disappearance of one Cynthia Anderson from August 4th, 1981 in Toledo, Ohio. This week, I am very lucky to be joined with Naptime Nancy Drew, as she is known amongst the podcast world. And we're here to discuss the really mysterious case of Cynthia Cindy Anderson from Toledo, Ohio. How are you doing today?
1: I am good. How are you doing, Bill?
0: I am fantastic. Now, with this case, the, re- the reason why that we are talking and we've talked before and obviously we've had great conversations. And the interesting thing is that I came across an article that you had actually written for philosophy of crime, which is James runners. And he started, you know, it's James runners website, whatever. And you had done an article on the disappearance of Cindy Anderson. And how did you get involved with her case? Cause I described it a little bit before I jumped into our conversation, but how did you get involved with Cindy's case?
1: So um, I actually, I spend a lot of time on NamUs. Like, that's how I party. That's my Friday or Saturday night trying to, like, find missing persons and match them up to unidentified persons, if you will. And But I found her case, like, just through going through and, like, trying to find different missing persons cases from different states. And I wound up, I think I was searching for the parameters of an unidentified woman from around that time and stumbled upon her case. And it's just very fascinating that, I don't know, there's so many different potential suspects, but also, I don't know, I feel so bad for her. She was just about to like start her whole life it seems like I don't think she ran away. I I think she was taken. So, I don't I I don't think she is likely alive cuz again, I mean unless she was abducted and and held somewhere, but
0: I was just going to say it seems it seems unlikely. I mean, it was 1981, you know, yeah. August of 1981 when she just dis- disappeared. So, I mean, she was 20 at the time so that would put her 60ish and yeah. you've seen cases where kids who have been abducted can get brainwashed into thinking they're that's their parent or whatever like that because they're so young but in a case like this where she goes to work her coworkers come in after being in court and she's nowhere to be found it's a little wild
1: yeah especially like uh they had the book she was reading which i need to figure out what the title was again I can't remember but it was open to a passage that was like really interesting it reminded me of Elaine Lettinen's disappearance not that they're connected in any way um, just that she had like the court martial page open when Elaine disappeared of, from Napa in 1976 so it's like I wonder how many people who felt they were in danger actually had like little things left out on purpose, just in case, you know, um, to kind of tell people to look for them. Like I didn't run away. I don't know. I just kind of, I, I don't think she ran away at all.
0: Yeah. The, 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 she was reading a romance novel. I don't remember what the novel was, but it was open to a, a part of the book where there was an abduction Something along those lines. So that's just one of those really odd, I don't know if coincidences or what, but definitely something that stood out to me because, you know, all these people. Here's a question for you Was this her father's uh, law practice?
1: No, I don't think so because it was, um, the law offices of James rabbit. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he passed away in 2004 and then, uh, Jay Feldstein. Um, and they apparently had like, they, they knew she was getting phone calls and like threatening phone calls and stuff the month before even. So they set up like a little, you know, the emergency buzzer thing, um, that'll alert authorities or whatever. Um, I don't know if it alerted authorities or if it just alerted their offices that something was going on, but, um, and they also said that she would, you know, leave a little note by the door if, cause they always like came in later than her. Um, so if she left to go get a coffee or whatever, um, she would do that, but her keys and purse were missing. Yet her car was parked right out front and locked. So I don't know. It's
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's wild. And you know, Jay Feldstein he actually told the Toledo Blade uh, that they actually were in court with the reason why I asked about it, Mr. Anderson being the lawyer is because of this account. And it said that Mr. Feldstein spent the morning in court with Mr. Anderson and one of his sons. So that was the reason. I oh, was
1: weird. Yeah. Yeah. I that part I actually did not know that, um, that detail, um, for or it skipped my mind there. But, um, yeah, there was something weird later on, like across the street or something that said something about I love Cindy or something like that. Um, and I can't remember if that was before or after she went missing, but somebody claimed to have said it was about them and their you know, she was Cindy or whatever and tried to like claim that it was a different Cindy, which it could be as a popular name, you know, but it is still weird that it was directly across the street. And I, yeah, it just makes me wonder sometimes the people that call in on stuff for anonymous tips. Sometimes I I feel like instead of it being a cruel hoax, maybe needs to be tracked down. Like legit just to make sure but yeah
0: yeah you know it's and it's weird because i mean there's also the theory about she was having nightmares about being abducted and
1: yes you know i mean it's it's just like was she
0: being clairvoyant and and envisioning her future, you know her future death and and the fact that she actually told people about it is what makes that stand out and i wouldn't bring it up if it was just some speculation obviously you don't know if it's connected, but we can say that di- it did happen. Unlike mm-hmm. saying, we don't know if the phone calls actually happened. We know that she at least told her par- parents or her mom about them.
1: Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, she had to have at least told the attorneys too, because they set up like that little emergency button and stuff. But um, I don't know. It's just so bizarre. I I guess there was one, uh, convicted drug dealer, uh, Jose Rodriguez jr. And Mm -hmm. his attorney, uh, Richard Neller. And they were apparently worked with them at that time or around that time. And they, they thought potentially that she may have overheard something from them, but I think she, she may have heard or seen something from a number of clients, you know? Um, (laughs) <laughs> so little trust out there these days. Like I know, you know, we know now that you can just there's wolves and sheep's clothing all the time. So maybe the smooth talker that, you know, maybe it was somebody that, I don't know. I just, you would never even imagine um, like a Dennis Rader type or something, you know, just Ned Flanders kind of style. I don't know.
0: So, she goes missing on the 4th of August in 1981. And there's a little bit of a conversation that her father relays to, I think one of the reporters about she had been acting like a debutante of late. And I thought that's that was something that stood out to me. Like, what are you talking about? And that she was basically, he said she's way more into her looks than she's ever been before. And it's like, Well, she's 20 and she has a boyfriend and you have this religious background that you raised her in. And, you know, I I don't want to say anything like her father passed away in, I think, 2016 or 2006 or something. But nonetheless, you know, it's sad that any parent dies without knowing what happened to their daughter. And I just think the fact that the case was covered by Unsolved Mysteries also, which as 90s child or 80s and 80s and 90s child and this case still was never even never got there were never really i mean the suspects like there really never were anybody that were really concrete and anybody that you could say had a motive okay she had a boyfriend check all right she was going to college in 10 days why would she run away That's another like, you know, like there there are certain things about this case to me that stand out to make it seem like she definitely wouldn't have left on her own accord and foul play was probably involved. But what's your thought about the fact that the office wasn't even disturbed and other than the book being open?
1: One thing that I wonder is either if somebody was able to be already there. And was like, you know, just had a a gun and she went outside with them. But that doesn't make sense because I think she would have, I don't know, they would have had to have broken in somewhere else from the building. But um, I don't think there was any note of that. Um, Maybe she had already gone inside and then was like, oh, shoot, I forgot something in the car and went downstairs and, you know, that's where, but the whole book thing that that's what gets to me every time like she knew that something was going to happen so how long was that left open was it that day you know did somebody just not notice that was the part
0: yeah it makes you wonder for sure and it like I'm not one to ever think anything is beyond what it usually is you know Occam's razor always got to follow what the most likely scenario is. And that's probably that she probably that she met with foul play with that being said, the fact that she took her purses, her purse and keys is a little weird. It is
1: weird. I don't know. I I mean, it's hard to say, like, we don't know her um, behavior up into that point. Like some people I know that grew up very religious and then, you know, come, 20 21 years old, make a flip and and do things that you know basically they have a little rum you know, like <laughs> little Amish will you know go out and, and have their wild times and come back if they to their faith if they want to. Um, which I really think every small town should do by the by, but just go out, experience life, and then come back if you want. <laughs> but,
0: yeah, I, I totally agree with that. When you are around those types of restrictions, how it can be, no pun intended, restrictive and kind of hold back your growing period. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, they were technically what Christian fundamentalists, I guess, is what would they they would be considered then and now. Yeah, They're that considered was considered born again. I, I think that. Yeah, I think that's the way it would be considered and and that's fine you know to each his own but she was going to bible school that's the thing that's that makes me again not feel like she was going to run away or maybe she did have enough of it and that was the reason she ran away because she didn't want to go to bible school but like but she was going to bible college i mean like what were you going to bible college for if you were rebelling per se
1: yeah i wonder when she signed up and when she lost weight, cause I know that was the, one of the things they said, she was acting like a debutante, but she had lost a bunch of weight and she was like dressing up more and, you know, um, so I don't know if, I don't know. Um, I, I'm trying to like word it right. Cause I mean, I have been where you don't like the you like the attention but you don't at the same time like especially as a, a survivor like um i was like you know <laughs> this definitely makes people not like you know you um to be honest i've it did work for a while but then i israel keys chased, changed that game for me when he said he didn't discriminate and like He's like, it's not a game changer or whatever. It was like, what have I been doing this whole time then? <laughs> anyway, sorry. That was a whole tangent. But <laughs> um, I just am wondering who started taking notice around there of her.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and you do wonder what, like, what kind of clientele that her law firm that she was working for dealt with. I mean, sounds like really shady people. Yeah, s- I mean, one of the bo- one of her bosses Sorry. was arrested for trafficking, drug trafficking. That's the Jose Rodriguez connection. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. Okay. I was like, wait a second. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I even looked up the Epstein thing because I knew he had like a whole, you know, friend, the Victoria's Secret guy that um, had the whole Leslie West. area there. Oh, okay. Yes. Um. I can't. Yeah, Leslie Leslie Wexler
0: was from Columbus, and he's the one that owns like the owned Victoria's Secret, and he owns the limited brand. Yada yada yada. And
1: they didn't even they didn't even meet until like the nineties, so it would I don't think it would be anything like that. But um, I don't know. You never know. I just wonder. I wish we knew like the clients, the clientele. And then there's more of like the, what went on when no one else was around when it was just, you know, Cindy and the two lawyers, like what the dynamic was, but if they had an emergency buzzer there for her, hopefully it worked Um, for one, you know, maybe it made her feel a little more secure. Um, But I don't know if, you know, was that a placebo thing? Did it really work or was it just for show or
0: I, or for, yeah, yeah. you definitely have to think about that because, you know, if, if you are setting up yourself to quote unquote, go off the grid or disappear, you kind of can create and curate a story, you know, in Mm -hmm. in advance and back in 1981, there really wasn't any technology that could, Trace a lot of this stuff. I mean, unless they were on the phone, you know. You see the stuff in the movies where they, you got us to keep them on the phone for a minute and thirty seconds before we can, you know, like yeah. least, like whatever. Watertown. Yeah, and again, we know mm-hmm. with the Amy Mahalova case that they weren't keeping records of local phone calls and stuff like that, especially in '81. And yeah, who were the lawyers to say that she was lying? And it's not crazy to say that she could have set this up as an, and the book thing, you know, she could have set it up as her way of, I don't know, foreshadowing or forecasting future disappearance. I mean, what do you think chances of that are? I mean, I know that you say that you think she's, she was abducted, but I mean, do you think there's any chance that that could have been the case?
1: I don't think it would be, should be ruled out just to play it safe you know because it's like you don't know what her dynamic was in her home like obviously grew up in a Christian family household well you know there's a lot of people that did that behind closed doors it's a very different thing you know it's a very different world than what they project to society and nothing against Christians I grew up Christian and whatever, you know, or, or religion in general, it's just, that is a very good hiding place for some, some very bad people because they're very good at lying and just, you know, but also I, I'm probably making myself sound terrible right now, but just like, you know, there's a lot of people that use that like to their advantage advantage, like self-righteousness, like, I'm going to go out and sin, but hey, I have attendance and I put a lot into the, you know, church plate every Sunday, so I can get do whatever I want because I'm going to go repent, and so, I don't know, clearly I have trust issues. (laughs) Yeah, well, I
0: think, I think it's, you know, in our line of work, I think it's kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. Uh, you, You do enough research about these cases, you find, you know, there's bad people everywhere, and... There again like you'd mentioned Israel Keys earlier but about not having any particular you know
1: yeah he first type
0: yeah Yeah. it didn't matter he didn't care he just it was whatever whatever yeah and uh you know where's Bundy you know Bundy was kind of uh he had a type if you look at all the pictures I mean you kind of can see his type I mean by the end he was just completely insane and just kind of <laughs> did what he did, but
1: well, and that's how uh, they get caught. They like get more and more impulsive, you know, like their addiction, just it's not good enough next time it's going to be this. And, but I can see how like a tinier person, like um, would be easier to, to take and abduct, you know? Um, and she was, she was a, a tinier person. And I don't know, <laughs> Or, you know, yeah. she had just started coming into her own with her, her style and everything. So I don't know. Maybe she had a crossroads and there's I wouldn't rule out the chance that there was a, a a cross turning point for her where she was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. No, I can't do this and go. But it just seems more plausible that she would have been abducted. I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah, I hope that she is okay,
0: but yeah. I mean, to think that, yeah, I mean, if, again, it's hard to do some of these cases where there isn't a body and there's no definitive, you know, proof that foul play actually did occur to speculate that she is dead. It's kind of, kind of sucks. I mean, yeah. to put it bluntly, but. 41 years or 40 years later, 30 years later, whatever it is, God, 40 years later, geez. Um, I mean, if she really wanted to go away, she could, but it is really difficult to just create a new identity. And
1: especially in that day and age, you would think, but I mean, with lawyers, I don't know. They might actually know people that could hook that up. I don't know. It's, Especially if you're like a defense attorney that's, you know, deals with a lot of really shady individuals. I don't know. But yeah,
0: I mean, you can, again, like, you know, you talk about, um, you know, when you do sit in a situation like she did at a lawyer's office and you deal with the clients on a face to face situation. Uh, yeah. you're not doing emails cuz it's 1981 you're pretty much answering the phone and dealing walk-ins so i would say that the chances of somebody catching you know her, her looks you know let's say that she just was what she you know somebody got a crush on her and began harassing her and and i think to me that's the most likely scenario yeah in this situation because of the fact that you know she was she wasn't like a bad girl she wasn't doing anything crazy and I know that we talked about like yeah maybe she wanted to go live live a crazy wild life but it wasn't all of her actions combined you could see some sort of pattern maybe detailing or laying out a, a plan to, to escape her growing up but you also have to wonder she had a sister why wouldn't she communicate with her sister once she felt safe
1: yeah it would be really hard to just stop all communication with family like you would have to be a a breaking point from something in your life there but doesn't sound like their family was anything like that they sound they sound heartbroken or they you know right up until her, her dad's passing and whatnot. he was searching for her. Um, just really, really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't think she would have left on her own, to be honest. It's just one of those, like, can you completely rule it out? Probably not. Cause we don't have enough to go on, but I don't know. Um, I would say it's more likely that, um, I, I think there was one um, there, there've been a couple unidentified um, persons that I have turned in for her case. And then for, um, for a couple other ones, I can't remember off the top of my head what I just turned in, but um, like I said, I'm on NamUs a lot. There was a, an an unidentified Jane Doe that fit the mold in i think it was in toledo um but she had to have been you know compared dna because it just would make zero sense if she hadn't
0: well i, I think know. i mean fingerprints back then but i mean well yeah i mean eighties, but yeah yeah and yeah i mean the whole the, the whole connection to the the drug dealer i think people want to say that that's just sounds sounds very interesting and then like they'll run with that and then other people will hear the theory about the the dreams and they'll run with that and then you have I mean it there's all these different theories when you have a missing person oh yeah and um and it's kind of difficult to to kind of speculate on what exactly it is those people were thinking
1: yeah
0: and that's where this case just bums me out in the sense that her family was very much a close-knit family from all from all accounts regardless of what upbringing they had or what people thought from the you know from the outside
1: yeah
0: yeah there's a lot of religious families it's not like everybody they're like it's not like every religious family has a a kid who revol- revolts or rebels, but
1: true there are a lot yeah. of them that
0: do. There are a lot of them that do. And again, it's totally normal. I mean, that's like a 20 year old being a 20 year old, but the fact yeah. that she was going to Bible college, she did have a boyfriend. The things that stand out again for me are the, the weird comments from from her dad about acting like a debutante and, caring more about her looks lately and and it sounded the way i read the quote it sounded like he was frustrated with her
1: almost like okay and i don't want to put words in his mouth or anything like that but maybe he was frustrated with the way she was dressing more like a lady or, or you know more professional because he's scared that somebody's going to take notice of that which is was the mindset and is sometimes still the mindset like of a woman is asking for it. If you're dressing up a little, you know, sexier or whatever, whereas my therapist likes to say, you could literally have, you know, be just streaking down the street and, you know, flailing, whatever, but you're not asking for it. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. I, I don't, I, think that was just a, you know, frustrated, like that's what must have happened. Somebody took notice to how she was dressing. I don't know. That's what I get from that. But yeah, I don't
0: think of, I don't think her father was involved. I just feel like no, no. he was frustrated with her actions at that present time. Again, nothing that stands out as like shocking, though, like, oh, my, she started caring about her looks. Not a red flag. Oh, she's going to college in 10 days and she's looking to lose weight. Hmm. Weird. Totally weird. You know, because 20 year old girls definitely aren't interested in, you know, that kind of it's just like people can change their interest levels in their looks can change literally overnight. I mean, that is not. No, it's not uncommon, especially for kids that did grow up where they didn't have access to uh you know makeup or see people in makeup and dress you know the way they want to dress opposed to having certain restrictions on what you can wear and oh yeah you know she was working in a law firm and regardless regardless of the fact of whether it was shady law firm or not uh she was in a professional professional environment so yeah she she would probably have gone to the courthouse's point certain points in time you would change who you are not who you are inside but who you are from the outside just by the people who you are around yeah you you generally it's a common trait just typical to want to at least blend in a bit uh and you don't want to be the you don't want to stand out and she wasn't naive to think that you know Dressing very strict, fundamentally Christian style with long dresses and not exposing a lot of skin and all that good stuff that comes along with some of the branches. True. Um, I think that she might have just felt, I don't know, like this is my opportunity to break away. And then she broke away, but in the process she caught somebody's eye who is not on the uh radar of the police because of how many people could have come and gone lack of security cameras um yeah yeah
1: yeah that's one thing it's like um like the lack of forced entry or like anything like that when i hear somebody say well it wasn't a you know there was no forced entry Well, sure, that doesn't look like there was a struggle, but doesn't mean there wasn't. You know what I mean? Like if somebody puts a gun to my face, I'm going to, you know, uh, unless, you know, I I don't know, circumstantially, my brothers told me the other day that some guy put a gun to his head and he swatted it away and ran. And I was like, what? And (laughs) I was like, "I I don't think I could have thought to do that. But he, yeah, he did. So that was wild. Um, I don't know what I would uh, think.
0: That's that's an interesting story. So, where? I know, I know, sorry.
1: (laughs) That was (laughs) random, but I was just thinking about like if somebody, I I would. Where does your brother live? live. That was. that was in his twenties and he said he was in Portland and these two guys around the same age were like, Hey man, how's it going? You want to smoke some weed with us? And he was like, sure. And so he went and he did and they're all sitting down on the curb and one of the guys is standing up and he's, you know, smoking. And then he just put a gun to the guys or to my brother's head. And maybe if he was sober, he would have been scared shitless, you know? So they actually, they, did a disservice to themselves because he was like, fuck that. And they like, you know slapped the gun away and ran. And the other guy that was with him was like, why would you do that, man? He was cool. like, And many people can say that they have done that. So, anyways. Yeah. Just, just a random ADHD true. story for you. Um, <laughs> as I was well, picturing it's like what I had to do with a gun.
0: It's weird, kind of similar story. I'll just edit all this out but similar story I was with like four other guys. We were walking back from, we were OU, Ohio university. And we were, you know, it was like four in the morning. And obviously we weren't sober. (laughs) And so we're walking down North high street and we're headed back towards our dorm. And there's some dudes sitting on a porch and they're like, Hey, you want to smoke a joint? And we're like, yeah, why not? You know, of course that's what you do. Uh, So we smoke blah, blah, blah. And then we're walking and all of a sudden, the two guys come up and grab me and start dragging me back to the house. And I'm like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" And luckily, my friends saw this and like came after and was like, "What are you guys doing?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, whatever." And uh, like two weeks earlier, my one of my buddies had just been found dead in the river. Oh my god! And and so like you didn't know what was going on
1: and
0: yeah. yada yada yada. So like they they ended up pulling me away and we ended up like taking off running and uh yeah i ended up doing like a i f- somersaulted off the, the curb because i was trying to, to get away so fast and there was like a big house party and everybody started cheering because i fell and that's we ended up partying at that next that house the next night
1: <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> it's just the way just
0: just the way the the OU the OU world works but yeah that was a scary um one of the scary moments of, of my child, I guess, childhood, I was 19, but uh, that was pretty traumatic.
1: Yeah. I've, I've never had a gun to my head, but I've definitely been in some situations either by choice or not where I've had uh, two guys when I was a teenager, um, I was in the passenger seat of a friend's car and these two guys came up and tried to open the back doors and get in and we're like where are we going and uh, that was creep
0: wrap it up okay. we'll wrap it up mm-hmm. so back back to the case at hand and some of the people that may have been involved do you have any idea or inkling like do you have a suspect basically
1: um I have, I mean, I, the Jose Rodriguez thing, you know, it's plausible. The, the cook brothers that were apparently murdering all throughout the eighties in Ohio. Right. um, That's a possibility, but I mean, I want to know who the janitor was at that building and more about the lawyers, you know, like I really, Um, I don't know, not that I, I I think that it was them, but like, I'm just very curious about the clientele and stuff because maybe somebody did spend a lot of time waiting in her waiting or in that waiting room area and she was forced to like converse with somebody really creepy and they just wouldn't let up, you know,
0: um, I don't know. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you on that one because let's say the opposite happened. She wasn't creeped out that this person was able to gain her trust. Hence why there was no sign of foul play um, as well as the fact that she locked the door behind her. So if it was an individual that somehow she had gained their trust or, you know, he gained her trust that's also a plausible I think yeah. theory and hey maybe we hey let's go grab, grab a quick cup of coffee and you know your work your co-workers aren't going to be here for a couple hours anyway
1: yeah I'm really early you know, for this meeting beautiful-
0: <laughs> um yeah and yeah I'm, I'm I was supposed to be here earlier uh want to go grab a cup of coffee and we'll be back in five minutes and you can just lock up and that
1: does make
0: sense and something as simple Yeah, something as simple as that where where all this other stuff clouds that type of scenario where it takes the simplest explanation which is she probably didn't forcefully, you know, she wasn't taken at force or taken by force. And with that scenario being the case, I feel like that plays into the hands of her again, I don't give much thought to her running away on purpose, but it leads to the theory that she was, she either chose to leave or she chose to leave with somebody. And that person is the person that led her to her demise, unfortunately. And
1: and to that... as we
0: would have heard from her.
1: I I think you're right. I Um, I just, that abduction book, when you said romance novel abduction, I was like, Oh wait a second! I was thinking it was a true crime novel, but Roman. I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, not that that has to do with the book, but I wonder if it gave her like a um, any sort of. I don't know. Never mind.
0: <laughs> I don't know. No, no. I no. I think that's interesting. No, I. I don't think you should discount that. I think anybody who's knows anybody who reads that type of literature if you would like to call it that i mean again it it's it's a genre people like it people like true crime people yeah. don't like true crime it's okay it's not like i'm not going to take it personally it is what it is and but the fact that she was reading a romance novel does kind of make you think she was thinking outside of the box that she grew up yeah, in
1: yeah i kind of i kind of want to read the book now just to like see if there was any like type of you know especially for a christian girl to be reading a romance novel maybe i don't know i just want to hear like the if there's any sort of like grooming type verbiage that makes something sound so spectacular like this wild life that you know
0: Mm -hmm. i don't know right right like an or i mean even you know not to point the fingers any of the lawyers but you know girls women young women power I mean there could be you know a crush there Mm -hmm. that they she didn't explore until that day and then obviously things didn't turn out the way they she had thought they would and she ended up not ever resurfacing I mean there's so many different avenues you could go yeah. but I think foul play is the at the end of the day is what happened but it seems like she may have known the suspect if that was the case. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was I don't know. I I like your idea though of of the fact that maybe somebody was very disarming and and she just went willingly thinking it was just going to be a cup of coffee or something that does seem like a plausible scenario.
0: So especially when you think about all the other clients that are considered shady and creepy and you know it probably wouldn't take that much effort for one of them to I don't know stand out from the others as being somewhat of a nice guy because he's not being he's not there for any particularly terrible taste. And
1: the guys that seem nice that are you know the wolf in sheep's clothing they use those guys to their advantage. Like, Oh, you've been getting these weird phone calls. I wonder if it's that guy, you know, if I wonder if it's that client of your, your boss, I don't know, it's, there's too many really intelligent creeps out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, intelligence, you know, it covers all bounds. It makes evil people more evil i mean you think about some of the worst people in the world you know they were super mm-hmm. intelligent but they used their intellig- intelligence for you know not good yeah. things and well like the destructions of societies and what exactly whatnot. well
1: and i could go on tangents about israel keys but when i saw him like you could it almost looked like they were telling him Something he believed in was not a thing, like you know, Santa Claus or something. But you could see the look in his face when he realized he told on himself, and they had no clue. Like he thought they were playing like a cat and mouse game, and it just—I don't know—it makes me think. Oh my God, there are people out there that are so meticulous and so good at this that we're only thinking Occam's Razor, and. And they're thinking Hickam's something like the opposite of Occam's razor. Um, but yeah, I don't know, it's it's wild. He changed the game for me. Anyways, I just really hope that this case is solved and that she is found someday and brought to justice if need be, um, which I think she does. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I think that the only way that we'll be able to find an answer is if they disco- discover a body uh, bone somewhere yeah. or if she is still alive she decides to you know make herself known but I don't think that's likely you know,
1: that and... Christian guilt I, I was raised on it not that it's like it is you instill it in yourself like the conscience part but like you know sure. I don't I just can't imagine keeping you know letting your family think that something horrible happened to you um i don't know
0: that's really that's real that's really mean i mean that takes yeah that that's on that's adding insult yeah. to injury you know it's one thing to run away and say i don't want to be a part of your family but it's another thing to run away and not tell anybody about it and yeah just you know because really how often does that and if somebody
1: does that then that's where it's like you need to be questioning what was going on like my mom ran away at 16 and her parents when they found out she went to her real dad's house they were like what did you do what did you tell them like not oh my god i'm so glad you're okay you know so there are their situations, like runaways, that they run away for a reason. Don't just think mm, they ran away. Whatever, it's their choice. I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole other tangent. Right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, just as we wrap this up, you know, don't forget about the fact that she also didn't touch her baby.
1: Yes, account. exactly. Yeah, poor girl. Ugh.
0: Um. Yeah, that's poor family. Yeah. I mean, the, her father, you know, searching for all those years and. Her sister, not knowing. It's just, it's tragic. It I I appreciate you uh, joining me though and yeah. kind of walking me through some of the different scenarios and kind of bouncing <laughs> some theories off of one another. Yada, yada, yada. I appreciate
1: it too. I'm sorry so, I got distracted, but my dog is like sawing logs, snoring. So just, um, he's like <laughs> right the- in the background. It's just, yeah, he's. <laughs> Oh jeez to get on the town. Oh, I woke him up. He's pissed. Anyways. No. Um, no. well, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. So yes. it was really great talking to you and yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, finally <laughs> uh able to put a face yes. your name and uh, voice and a voice. <laughs> so definitely, definitely great. And I appreciate yeah,
1: likewise. Um and yeah, we'll have to do an interview on my show sometime soon.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so thanks
1: thank again. you. All right. I'll talk to
0: you later. Thanks so much to Naptime Nancy Drew for joining me this week to discuss the mysterious disappearance of one Miss Cynthia Anderson out of Toledo, Ohio on August 4th, 1981. Naptime Nancy's podcast can be found by searching Naptime Nancy Drew wherever you get your favorite shows. You can also follow her on Twitter at NaptimeNancyDrew, and that is Drew without the E. As a reminder, I do drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I will be dropping a new season of My Passion Case at some point this spring, so look for new episodes on Tuesdays once the show launches. And thank you guys, the listeners, so much for tuning in this week. Anyone with information about Cynthia Anderson's disappearance is encouraged to contact the police in Toledo at 419-245-3340. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, as well as my other shows, you can help support the podcast by clicking on the link in the show notes, or you can contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at bill-huffman-3. And seriously, every contribution, big or small, helps keep these slow burn podcasts running. And you can also help support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And again, thank you to Best Fiends for being this week's sponsor. Their app can be found wherever you get your apps, most often in the Google play store or the apple app store and if you'd like to stay up to date on the cases that i have covered as well as the new shows i have in the pipeline please follow me on twitter at billhuffman 3 thank you so much again for listening and until next time as always be healthy and stay safe